What's up, everyone? Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the podcast of my show, Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where Shane told, that's me, I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band, could be a quintet, could be a trio, could even be a duo like this band we have this week, Nefex. No, not no effects, Nefex. Bryce Savage is here, and what a cool story from a very different, very cool band. Uh, I didn't know too much about these guys. I'd heard the name, but it wasn't until their publicist wrote to me and said, yo, this band's like doing a bunch of stuff such as, I don't know, putting out a song once a week for a hundred weeks in a row. Yeah, that got my attention. And once I looked more into it, I was like, yeah, I gotta talk to this guy. So I want to thank Bryce so much for taking the time to talk to me. And he's a really cool guy. So maybe you haven't heard of Nefex. Maybe you're a huge fan. I don't know. But this is a great episode and a super, super eye-opening talk, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Last week was awesome with my friend Jeremy from the Devil Wars Prada. The week before with Greg from the Menzingers, I really feel like we're just at a really great pace right now. And we got some great episodes coming up as well. I hate to spill the beans on them, but they're really, really good and really, really fun. So make sure you hit the subscribe button, whatever you're listening to this on, because that helps us out. That's like a subscriber, which means like there's analytics or something that happens and then more people maybe find out about the podcast. I don't exactly know how it all works. I just know that every other podcast says that. So I feel like I need to say that too, or I'd feel like left out or like I'm not doing it right or something along those lines. But hey, if you want to get in touch with me as well, I don't know if every podcast says this, but mine always does. Feel free to hit me up. You can email me. My email address is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all of my emails. I love hearing from people. Um, Even if it's just like two sentences, that's really nice. Um, Some people go on and on and on, and I don't mind that either. Um, It just gets harder for me to respond because I'm like, oh my God, I like they've made like 10 points and I want to respond to them all, but then I don't know where to start and ah, I got shit to do and ah, oh my God, I didn't respond to that email. So so if you keep it brief, maybe uh, more of a likely more likely of a chance of me responding, but uh, regardless, I read them all and I love them all. So thank you. Keep them coming. And if you want to help out the show, feel free to check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. That gives you more episodes, bonus episodes with non-lead singers and some other lead singers, some industry insiders, and access to an amazing community of other fans of the show, people just like yourself making friends all over this great world of ours. I think it's a great world. Well, it's it's okay. Hopefully it's getting better. We'll see. We shall see. But check it out. The link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. For as little as $6 a month, that helps me out so much and gets you all that cool stuff. In addition, you pay a little bit more. You get a bunch of merchandise shipped to your house, etc., etc., It is the reason that this podcast is free and will always be free. So yes, 
Head over there and check it out. And I should mention, it makes a great gift. A gift that keeps on giving. So yeah, if you're getting a little, you know, Christmas is like a week away or something like that. Yeah, it is a week away. Oh my God. Yeah, this could be your ticket to a great last minute gift. So check it out. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Other potential gifts could be the gift of my band, Silverstein, because we are about to do a really, really massive tour. Starting out next year in Australia, we are celebrating 20 years of being a band, which blows my mind when it comes out of my mouth. I'm like, holy shit, 20 freaking years. So yeah, um, if you want to get tickets for whether it's Australia or the Philippines or Hawaii or Europe or Canada or America, that's what's on sale so far. It's selling really, really well. I think like our Toronto show is like 75% sold out. New York, LA, you know, the big cities, those are all well over 50% sold. I think Philippines is really coming out hard. Philippines is like 80% sold out. So I'm pretty sure, oh, in Europe too, Cologne is already sold out. One of the London shows is already sold out. So if you're interested in seeing Silverstein on the 20-year anniversary tour, don't sleep on tickets. You can get them all over at Silverstein20, that's Silverstein, the number two, the number zero, dot com. Well, I think that's it. I think that just about does it for the intro. And uh, you're going to enjoy this podcast. You're really going to like this episode. I really did. I loved listening back to it as well. So here it is, my conversation with Bryce of Nefex. I'm wrong, tell me I'm weak, tell me I'm strong I'll take a hit to the soul and move on I know that everything I do is wrong Yeah, you don't know shit about me You don't know shit about me Nah, nah, I'm falling down on my knees Looking to heavens I see Your eyes are coated from feelings too strong My legs are weak from always moving on You come back Yo, yo, what's up? Hey, Bryce, what's up, man? Shane Hey, how's it going, Shane? Good, dude Hey, thanks for doing this Yeah, dude, of course No, Ryan told me about it and it sounds super cool So I'm excited Nice, yeah, man It's, uh Dude, I'm excited to talk to you, man, because I, I, I don't know. I interview, you know, I've been doing this podcast for like almost four years, I guess. Uh-huh. And I've, you know, talked to a lot of people and a lot of the people I talk to, it's all the same, like pretty much. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They, they grew up playing bands and then they got a little bit better and then somebody wanted to sign them and they put out some records and like here they are, you know? Right. Um, well, you did the playing in bands part, uh, For sure. but no label signed you. You guys did it completely on your own with some e- extremely unconventional uh, methods, I guess, for lack of a better word. <laughs> right. And now you're finally, you know, congratulations on the signing to 12 Tone hey, Music, you. which is a huge up and coming label. Uh, yeah. It's just really crazy the steps that you've taken to get where you are now, and congratulations. Um, but what's really cool no, is, Thank you, man. is in a way, you're better off because now you own all this music that you put out, mm-hmm. and uh, man, like you're already 
kind of making money. You know, it's very, yeah. very cool. Um, so, dude, I don't even know where to start, man. I just, just <laughs> it's more, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like an introduction, I guess, for the people that don't yeah, know yeah. about the group. But um, it's called Nefex, right? Yep, it's called Nefex. Um, most people say it, say it wrong. It doesn't really matter to us as long as they know how to spell it. Well, that's why um, I asked you. You know, it's amazing how hard it is to find out how to actually say a band's name if you're not sure. Oh, I know. It's yeah. There's they, they don't they don't put it phonetically anywhere. It's just <laughs> yeah. It's like all we ever say. Like when we first came up with it, is we were thinking of like the term like effects, like special effects, and it was like threw an N on it, like effects. Um, the the band origin. That's really as much as it was. Like we were we were uh, we saw names like Skrillex. Right. and Diplo and stuff. And it was like, they all sound like words. So we wanted to have a name that kind of sounded like a word. And that's kind of where it stemmed from was just trying to figure out how we could do that. And it was just taking another word, adding a letter to it, and then, you know, spelling it how we thought looked cool. And, and when we spelled it out, we were like, yo, this name looks fucking sick. Like, let's let's roll with it and see if we still like it in a month. I think and it's cool. I think it's yeah. cool. It's very similar to one of my favorite all-time bands, uh, No Effects, which I'm sure you've, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've gotten get that, that comparison, I'm sure. Oh yeah, all the time. That and Netflix, which is yeah, whatever. <laughs> I didn't think of that one, but that's yeah, yeah. that's very obvious. Yeah. So you, you uh, let's get started about your your background, if you don't mind, man. So you're from Southern California. Yep, from so- SoCal. Um, I actually I was born in Long Beach uh, mm-hmm. Hospital, and then I was raised in Irvine. So oh, okay. OC, born and raised. Yep. There you go. And and you yeah. and you and Cameron, your uh, your only other band member. You guys have been friends like since you were little kids, basically, or high school. Since we're since we're fifteen, yeah, yeah. 15, so yeah. we actually, yeah, we actually met in a like a band. So I knew two of the kids in the band. He was already in the band with those two kids, and then I joined, and that's how Cam and I got to got to meet up, and and we just got along really well. Nice, dude. So what was it like? Um, do you have brothers and sisters? Like, what's your family? Yeah, got, what's your family I, like? Yeah, so I got mom and a dad, and then I got a. Um, I got a sister, and she's a she's a Harvard uh, graduate attorney, so she's super oh, wow. fucking smart. Yeah, so she kicks a lot of ass. Uh, she's two years older than me, um, and she's like she's always been a good role model for me and someone I looked up to. So she's dope. Wow. So yeah, you're from Irvine, California, which is known as a pretty affluent place. Your yeah. sister went to Harvard, and yep. here you are slugging it out, like making music on your computer. You know. Uh, <laughs> Like rapping yeah. and stuff. It's it's uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a I don't know. There's a bit of a duality there, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I was always I was always um, athletic and, and kind of musical growing up and stuff like that. She was always brilliant, um, but she actually gave me pretty much like a ton of my influences in music. She's the one. A lot of older siblings do this, but she, right, mine too. She was the one showing me music and taking me to Warp Tour and stuff like that. So she kind of helped me dive in and fall in love with music and so. That stuff's really cool. We all have, we have a very similar taste, and and it's just awesome how it developed well, into dude, a career. For she me. gives first she, she gives you the musical advice, and now she can give you some legal advice. You know, like <laughs> that's the truest thing ever. I've literally gone to her with contracts and been like, "Yo, can you read this for me? I know like you're gonna like take more care of me than anyone." How do your parents feel about you know your music career and and everything? Like obviously, and I want to get to the point where you quit, you know, quit your job and stuff, but. uh how is that? How have they been? Um, you know, have they been supportive? Have they been like, "This is weird"? Like, how are they? What's their take on it? No, hundred percent. I mean, um, it's always weird in the beginning because when you want to be a musician and you're playing guitar and you're in these punk rock bands that sound absolutely terrible, it's hard for any parent to be like, "Yeah, you know, like 
go pursue your dream. Like, don't go to college, like just play music. <laughs> um, so obviously in the beginning that my parents have always been supportive, but like the music thing, they didn't really get, they didn't really understand. Um, but I did, I did everything traditionally. I still went to college. I still got a business degree. Um, I played baseball there. Like I just did everything right. But in the background, I was always working on music too. That was always like my, my hobby and something that I, I, I really wanted to, to be good at. And I wanted to do for my, the rest of my life. Um, and so the time that they really started understanding that it was like a real thing was when we finally, we, we initially started making money. Like I tried to describe to them the marketing we were doing and, right. and how the songs were growing and stuff, but it wasn't until like I showed them like hard evidence of like, look at what this streaming revenue actually is and what it can turn into and, and what I'm working on growing. And then my parents became like my biggest fan, number one supporter, <laughs> right? Like right, total right. 360, like, yo, this is insane. This is so cool. They want to know, they want to know all about touring. They want to know about the streaming numbers. They follow it. Like they'd follow my stats in baseball and stuff. So right. it's really cool. Like they're like full, full on in full send. Right. I don't know if there's more stats in baseball or uh, music. That's a, uh, that's a funny comparison. Honestly, right? Like sometimes I know. <laughs> OPS, OPS plus. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know, right? I know. It's yeah. uh, that's wild. So you, went, I'm actually a huge baseball fan. Um, that's must be something that you got into at, at a young age too. And your uh, your family like must have been very supportive, like driving you to you know tournaments and all that stuff that you hear about kids doing. <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. No, my dad was uh, my dad would coach me. He was he was pretty much there. My parents would come to uh, pretty much every single game. And yeah, from from three years old four years old, I had a baseball bat in my hand. And so that's another crazy thing is like, I played baseball for 23 years of my life or whatever it is. If you count, you know, being from birth till 23, <laughs> I played baseball. And that's like pretty much like that in music was all I knew. So my whole life, I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player as well. And then like, sometimes those things, obviously they come to an end and you have to be prepared mentally to right. like, yo, what, like that was my whole identity. My identity was like a division one baseball player like who am i now and like what's my identity now and a lot of people don't really recover from that so that was an interesting experience but luckily i had music and i injured myself pretty bad my last year of baseball uh. tore my tore my elbow so it was like i had a solid like nine months of school to be like yo what the hell am i gonna do after school like like where where do i want to work like who should i be networking with so it was kind of a blessing and a curse all at the same time Right. Yeah. Damn. So yeah. you never got drafted or never went and tried to get drafted or anything like that? Nope. Nothing like that. Had, um, I think one letter from a professional team or maybe two, but it was cause I had like one really good summer in like a good, a division one, like league or something like that. And right. so someone, someone just took a, took a gamble to send me a professional letter. But at the end of the day, I had no interest in going pro and I didn't really have the, you know, the, skill set to go pro i didn't throw particularly hard and i wasn't particularly built like a like a pitcher that you'd want in the pros so oh you were pitching at that point yeah i was a pitcher uh, i was a pitcher oh, okay. only by the end yeah oh, okay yeah. you said baseball bat in your hand i i, I assumed you were uh oh i know position yeah, player yeah, yeah. But yeah i was, man, a, I was a hitter i was a hitter and pitcher up until college and then they they made me a po so. it is crazy like even just watching you know watching the world series and stuff like Maybe the World Series is a bad example because they only used like three pitchers or whatever. But the the uh, sometimes like you'll just be watching baseball and they'll bring in some guy you've like never heard of and he's just throwing ninety nine and you're like, Seriously. oh my god, like where do they find these guys? 
It's crazy. No, legitimately, and there's more and more nowadays. Like it didn't yeah. used to be like this, no. but now everyone throws fucking gas, and it's pretty crazy. I don't understand. That's, that's wild, man. Yeah. So you got your degree. That's great. Um, what job did you have before you started taking this uh, full time? Yeah, I worked for a company called World of Dance, and uh, I met them because my degree was in entrepreneurship, and so I would go to these like think tanks. Um, where like it's like a round circle for entrepreneurs and they would discuss ideas and world of dance was one that showed up the ceo and he was like yo we have like millions of subscribers millions of views but we can't make any money because we can't monetize any of our videos because it's all dancers and dancers dance to music and the music industry owns all the copyright to that stuff so it was like this i you know i was i was one of the people in the circle and i suggested everyone was suggesting different things and i was like you know you guys should just start your own music label and once you start releasing your own music it's going to be like a slow build but eventually you'll have your own catalog of music and as you develop dancers you can make sure that they they dance to that music every once in a while so that now you have content you can monetize yada 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 and thought yeah. nothing of it that was just my suggestion and they kept moving on around the circle um I guess a friend I had made there who was like a serial entrepreneur, he was like 35 years old and had like all these tech businesses. He like went up to the world of dance guy afterwards and was basically like, dude, that kid over there gave you the best idea like all night. You should definitely go talk to him. And so he, you know, he had my back, which is pretty cool. We ended up talking afterwards. I was like, yeah, the label thing, I think it'd be super sick. Um, and then once again, thought nothing of it left that night. And three months later, it was kind of, it was awesome because like, I think it was two or three months before I graduated, he, they called me up and they were like, Hey, like, when do you graduate? And I was like, Oh, you know, like upcoming, uh, spring or whatever time. And, um, they were like, well, what do you think? Would you like to have a job starting that label idea you talked about after college? And I was like, fuck yeah. Cause I had no idea what I wanted to do after college. Sure. I knew I wanted to be music and I knew baseball was ending. So I was like, hell yeah. So that's basically the company I worked at was called World of Dance. I started as um, I basically started their label. I started trying to release music uh, with them. I started trying to find like SoundCloud, EDM, trap producing artists that would, you know, sign their music to us um, so that we could work with it. The the I ran into so many problems with legalities, though, contracts, um, accounting, because it was a it was a one person department. It was just (laughs) me. And I was like, I I don't know how to do the accounting for all this shit and copyrights. And so it was actually kind of a nightmare and a headache. But I ended up they ended up transitioning me um, into like a sales role as well as working in in the uh, label development part. And then I started to get better at sales and, and helping make sure our clients were happy with the branding and the sponsorships and stuff. So it was kind of like a, I wore a lot of hats at that. Yeah. Time. Well, it's, it sounds like, it sounds like a real job. It wasn't like you guys, you and Cameron were working at Taco Bell or Jack in the box or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. right. It's, it's like funny though, you know, cause like from an outside perspective looking in, you know, People don't know. They just hear you guys rapping about like, you know, Coke fiends and stuff like that. And they assume, <laughs> you know, they assume it's like more like this kind of, I don't know. I don't know the word, but for sure. Um, it, so, you know, but you had like, you had like the start of a very legitimate career that you, that you gave up, which, and the, the irony of the whole thing is that you ended up kind of taking what you learned from that experience, uh, doing yep. what you do now. A hundred percent. And it's funny you say the Coke fiend thing. It's like music has always been a place for me to like have fun. So while I can be very serious and, um, you know, think about things in a, in a marketing and business sense, like music has always been a place for me to just have fun, enjoy myself, express myself, however I feel like it. And that's why, 
Um, sometimes my parents cringe at some of my lyrics and stuff like that, but I'm like, you know, it is what it is. Like that's, that's where I go to write about whatever the hell I want to write about. But sure. yeah, no, very, very much so finding out about world of dances issues and then seeing channels like no copyright sounds and stuff pop off and, and how many content creators I was starting to see on YouTube, video gamers to dancers. It did kind of just like one of the best ways to start a business is to just see a problem and fix it. And then whatever you use to fix it is, is what you can sell and, and resell and stuff like that. And so I just thought it was a really cool thing. Cause once we started doing the copyright free thing, you could, yeah. you could see yeah. how quickly it took off and how much a, a, there was a need in the market. Yeah, that's wild. Um, that's absolutely wild. So you got started with the, with the group and the, the quote that I remember reading somewhere is that you said, that, you know, either you said to Cameron or Cameron said to you, like, hey, man, when, when were you, like, the most happiest? Yeah. And it was like, yeah. well, when I was 15 years old making music in the bedroom, like, making shitty music on a computer in a bedroom with you, man. And yep. it was like, well, like, let's do it. I mean, like, that's yeah. – is that kind of a, a bit of a summary, I guess, but kind of how yeah, it no, ended no, up starting was, back up? That was the gist. I mean, you basically got it. It was, it was me and Cam. We were – we hadn't talked to each other for two and a half, three years or something like that because I was off in college and he was off starting a studio in LA. And then okay. one summer, and usually I had to play summer ball. So, uh, but this one summer I had off and it was before my senior year and we were just chilling in my garage, finally got to kick it again. And we were playing each other music we had both been working on. And I did, I looked at him and I was like, yo man, when were you happiest? Like, I, like you said, I, he thought it was a weird question. And then I was just like, I was happiest when we were in, in my room, 15 years old, 16 years old, not a care in the world, just making shitty music. Like that was, I was like super happy back then. Um, and he like agreed. And, and that was kind of where it was like, yo, like, why not just move in together after college? And like, we can still work jobs and we can still do everything normal, but like, let's make music like we were 15 again. We're both still doing it anyways. Like we clearly like it. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's exactly the story and kind of how, how we decided we were going to move in. We actually produced music together every single Sunday. We would meet up um, throughout my entire senior year of college and we would go to his studio and we would work on music together. So it kind of started then, but then we moved in together after college and, and started in effects and everything. Right. So one of the things you guys are most known for, uh, you know, both, both by the people from the outside looking in and, you know, some of your biggest fans is the hundred song thing, the hundred weeks um, which yeah. if people don't know, uh, you basically put out a song every week at the same time for 100 weeks, yeah. uh, over the course of two, over two years. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, it's nuts, yeah. yeah, it's nuts. It's completely nuts. Uh, where did that idea come from? First of all, and looking back on doing that, uh, what, how do you feel about it now? Yeah. So so it's funny because like, uh, like a lot of ideas, they start off, they're a good idea. And then, and then someone comes in and, and brands it and markets it correctly. But really with us, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to do a hundred songs in a hundred weeks. It was just like, yo, like we need to put out a lot of music and then we need to market it well, because I was seeing people like Russ have success. And I knew little Wayne did like I think he was on like 200 songs in one year or something like, I mean, wow. the people who had a lot of success, they did, a, they, they just kept working and putting stuff out because, you know, the best will rise to the top, the best, the best music, the best work. And so we, I was like, yo, between you and I, if we can delegate things well, we can, we can 
pump out music quicker than most people, I think. And so we started doing that. And the thing we came to that, that we knew, we knew we needed to be consistent. Um, so it was like, I think one song every single week is consistent enough. It's easy enough. It's doable enough while we're working our full-time job, we can absolutely do this. And then we knew consistency was important, was important for like, um, returning people. Like, like people need to know when to show up to your YouTube channel and check it out. Yeah. And so, and we had no marketing funnel or anything. We tried a bunch of different stuff. So we started just releasing every Wednesday, 9 a.m. We're like, let's just stick to it. No matter how shitty the song is that week, we're going to post it and then we're going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna, my next question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So, well, how, yeah, okay. I have so many questions. The, the first, okay. the first question is actually doing that. Did you have like, was there a period of time before you launched it? that you had like a bunch in the bank, like let's say you had 20 in the bank so that you could kind of fill in the gaps when shit got busier. Um, or no, okay. Not at That's, all. Okay. There's... We literally, yeah, yeah, we literally just started and realized like, holy shit, we got to do this each week. And it was like the best thing we could have ever done because one, there's like this curse that musicians have where like this perfectionistic curse where you could always tinker with something. You could always change something. Totally, and man. it really helped us beat that because we totally had that. And it was like, yo, like we, like I said, I don't care how shitty it is or how unfinished it is. Let's post it and move on to the next track. And it was almost like a, yeah, it was such a freeing feeling. And it, it made us just good at posting what, what it was. And see, so, yeah, sometimes we'd look back and be like, dude, I cannot believe the second verse. We, 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 we fucked that word up so hard or we did this. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's out there now and people still love it and they stream it a lot. And it's funny because it makes you realize that like music doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be caught in the moment, the, the emotion or whatever, whatever song it is, it just has to be in that moment and people will like it for what it is. But yeah, we didn't have any in the bank. So we were pretty much like, like, holy shit, if we don't get something done (laughs) this week, like we're screwed. I I love it. I love it in so many ways because, you know, when people make albums, you know, and everyone's talking about, oh, I got to make an album and it's got to stand the test of time, yeah, you know, yeah. and all this, this shit. Um, but it's like, it's almost like if, if, uh, if a band's making, like putting a record out every two years and they're trying to write like a novel, you guys are almost kind of like putting out like a periodical, right? Like a newspaper or a, or a magazine, which it, yeah. it, it kind of gives you freedom in a way to say certain things. Um, or write yeah. about write about a certain thing that maybe is happening currently, whether it's like a personal thing or more like you know a political event or news or whatever. Right? I mean that yeah, absolutely. That must give you kind of a and the fact that you kind of didn't care is fucking awesome too. Like I love that the most of all of this. Yeah, yeah. No, that was our, that was always our thing because like we grew up on on uh, a lot of different music and something that we were listening to when we were fifteen was like. Blink-182, punk rock, like that that feeling of just like being free. And that's kind of what we wanted to portray in our music was just like freedom, the freedom to write any genre you want, the freedom to release as much, much music as you want, the freedom to write about whatever you wanted. Like right. that's like the most punk rock thing is just like to to not have limits, not have, have boundaries or anything like that, but to just write and be free doing whatever the hell you want to do. Um, so that was just like, like you said, that was a really cool experience for us is, is learning that the song a week thing wasn't, wasn't as, it wasn't like a crutch. It was just a, a, a freeing, a freeing thing for us to get us over the hump of like how to write music. A lot of people, even nowadays, like writing an album, like you said, because there's going to be like money, so much money spent behind it and like all this stuff, like everyone gets really like nitpicky and particular about stuff. 
and you almost like miss the times where you just put out whatever the hell you want to put out, like, like a SoundCloud rapper or anything. You just like right. start uploading shit and all of a sudden you realize you, you discovered gold and you had no idea. You, it was just, it felt like another song to you, but everyone else hears it in a different way. It's like, it's crazy how that stuff works out, but you never know how it's going to hit. No one can predict what's going to be a hit. Otherwise they would be <laughs> fucking yeah. loaded. Yeah. No, I know. Absolutely, man. So, uh, the, so, would you go back and change any of that? Like if, you, if there must be songs that you heard that you rushed, you know, that you're, that you're rushed and you hear <laughs> back and you're like, that was actually a really cool part and a really cool idea, but it was never seen through. And now I kind of yeah. can't go back. I mean, maybe you could just go back and kind of put a respin on it. Um, there must be lots of songs like that. And there must be a lot of songs that you're like, wow, what were we thinking? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, there's some like, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big believer in like, if you like where you are now, then you made no, you didn't make any mistakes in the past right. or like you shouldn't have regrets. Like whatever you, you screwed up led you to who you are today. And if you like who you are today, then that's great. And that's kind of how I feel about the music too. It's like, yeah, there's some that I'll, I'll cringe or be like, man, what were we thinking? Or like <laughs> that sound is so brutal. But, um, at the end of the day, it's like, it was all that it was feeling like I could experiment and write anything or do anything and feeling like we could do that, that like led to all the different sounds we experimented yeah. with and all the different songs we came up with. So there's, and there's absolutely parts of songs where it's like, dude, we really messed that up. Like somehow we put like a, a like a, a flanger or a phaser on like the vocals in like the second hook. Like it sounds totally <laughs> like, why did, what the hell happened? Like, I don't know. I think we left the plug the in plug on, in on the wrong like, channel. Yeah. Yep. And then just bounced it and uploaded it. Cause we were tired or exhausted or we were late up uh, late on <laughs> uploading or something. So, that shit definitely happens and we hear things all the time that we're like, oof, cringe moment, but all good. We made it I here. love that. So you have the new EP, Q203, which is out now. And yeah. there's a lot of attention kind of on this release. At least the publicist made led me to believe there was. But for you guys, <laughs> is it a little bit underwhelming that it's just an EP after releasing so much volume of music? You know, what's funny is like it would have been if we would have released the EP probably right after we did all these singles, but we took some time yeah. off. And so we were like itching to release new music and we haven't, we one time worked on an EP before we even started releasing music. Um, and then we worked on another one, but like we worked on EPs like with ourselves, like there was no label involved. There was nothing. Right. We were like, oh, let, let, let's work on a body of work and see how it goes and honestly those are sometimes the times where you like end up writing some of your best stuff because you're like focused on a body of work and you're, you're a little bit more focused on how they all work together or you learn something new but this ep was really cool because it was like the most time we've ever spent on music and gotten to re-listen to tracks and you know we made like probably 15 to 20 different songs and then start narrowing it down. So you're like, oh, oh yeah. it's like the best, it's the best of the best work. And so it was actually pretty cool. It wasn't, it wasn't underwhelming, but, um, you know, we are very used to making music now, but it was actually pretty exciting. It was like, yo, this is going to be our first EP ever released. All we've done is singles up to this point. So it's a pretty exciting time and, and we'll see how it goes and we'll see how the fans react and we'll see if they love it. Or if they're like, you know, go back to singles, like you never know, but, <laughs> but they seem to like it and they seem to have enjoyed it. And so now we're working on, on an album and, yeah. and we're excited to do that now, but it Absolutely, is, it's a different, yeah. it's definitely a different process. I do miss just being able to release stuff and not worry because you never know what's going to be. We could have out of those 20 songs we made or 15 songs and narrowing it down to six. It's like, 
we could have messed one up. Like one of the ones that we didn't release maybe should have gone out and it would have done better. You just never know with that stuff. So no, but there's always a chance to revisit that too, right? I mean, it's not deleted. True. It's not deleted from history because <laughs> you didn't put it on the CP. You know, right? Um, over time, you know, things can change in your own mind. You can say, "Oh, that was actually a really cool part," or like you know, it happens to me sometimes with my music. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be like, "Wait, that bridge should be the verse." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then you know, something kind of kind of just gets tweaked, and then all of a sudden. You know, that's you. You kind of unlock what that song needed. Hundred percent, yes. You know, but okay. So all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, you you guys have been self-producing, writing, producing, mixing your own stuff, mm-hmm. which is in this this day and age is like fairly rare. You know, I mean, a lot of times the people that do that. Uh, they, a lot of times there's like collaborations, you know, they're writing, co-writing with people, uh, other right. people are mixing it, you know, you're using someone else's beats or, or like whatever. Um, right. you guys with this EP, you know, it's on a proper label. You guys are, you know, you just said you're going to be working on an album. Are you going to be staying true to the way you've always done it? Or are you kind of open to, you know, branching out? And either doing, you know, writing with other people, working with other mm-hmm. producers. Um, what's kind of your feel right now? Because that must be a little bit of a scary transition. Yeah, you know, uh, pretty much we've always been down for experimenting and trying new things and stuff like that. That stuff is what leads to a, a better artist and that leads to growth. But, you know, doing the song a week, we were working at such a fast pace. It was like anytime we worked with anyone else, it slowed everything down. Right. They weren't, they, they had the perfectionistic tendency of like, wait, it's not ready to go out yet. So we we're like, okay, maybe we do this thing ourselves for a while because it's going to be too hard to stay on a schedule yeah. with, you know, um, other musicians all the time, which I totally understand too. Um, your art is like your baby, but, um, we ended up getting to this EP and we wanted to stay true to it all, all the way through the EP that like we mix mastered, we produced, wrote, mix mastered, recorded everything, just he and I. And so we did that through the EP, but now definitely moving forward, we want to expand as artists. We want to get better, um, make better music, try new things, hear different sounds and stuff, see what other people are doing. And so, um, we definitely are open to working with new producers, new songwriters. I'm actually getting into sessions with people, going over, you know, uh, instrumentals, creating things together. So the album is definitely going to be, you know, an, another step up, hopefully. Like it goes, you know, EP, it went, um, you know, singles to the EP. And now we got this album. And if we experiment with a bunch of different people and try a bunch of different sounds and make a bunch of different songs, you never know what can happen. And I think it's only going to go up for us because, um, I don't know. I just have a good feeling about it. Um, everyone, yeah, we're, everyone, so, man. our management's putting us with is really good producers and really cool people. So I think it's only going to get better. I think it will too. So you started this thing. The, I, I'm just talking, still talking about the hundred weeks because uh, it yeah. blows my mind. But you started it out, and at the point you started, I assume you had a very small following, right? Oh yeah, we had we had no one. I mean, the hundred songs in a hundred weeks didn't even. So we spent a ton of time just releasing remixes and stuff on our SoundCloud and trying to like Facebook advertise and stuff like that. And so we, when we started doing a song a week, we maybe had, you know, five to 8,000 subscribers on YouTube and then like, you know, a few thousand on SoundCloud and, 
and zero on Spotify. So it was, yeah, we didn't have much to work with. When did you start to see that uptick? Like where you started seeing people, like at what number, let's just call it number, which week did you start seeing like, mm. like an uptick? And then at what uh, point were you like, Hey, um, Cameron, like, I think we need to quit our jobs and like focus on this. Like when yeah, did no, that, it, when were, when were those steps uh, along the way in, in number of weeks? Yeah, that stuff's crazy. Yeah. I, I would say like the, pro, the, the thing about, you know, compounding the music you're making is like in the beginning, you're doing a lot of work and it feels like you're getting so little in return. Cause we would <laughs> post a song on YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever, and you'd get like 500 views. And then the next week, you know, you work your ass off, you make another great song that you love and it gets 550 views. And you're like, okay, next week you work on another really good song and it gets 650 views. And, and it's just like, oh my God, like, you know, we're three weeks in, like the growth is like, it's only like a hundred views or whatever. But <laughs> by like week, by like week, I want to say in like the twenties, the twenties yeah. is when it really started to like, okay, now we're in like the thousands of views and it's starting to pick up and you're starting to see the numbers. Um, because I think it was about, it was about four or five months in that we were able to quit our jobs. And the right. thing was, was from the very beginning, we had received a check from a label, um, that we had re- released one song with like way early on. They like reached out to us, like this song, they wanted to release it. We said, cool, did a little 50, 50 deal. They put it out. We never thought anything of it later. Like three months later, we got a check for like 400 bucks or something. And we were like, wait, what? And we were like, that's huh. just one song and we're 50, 50. So that, that song's <laughs> made us like $800 technically. Right. So that's when we started to go like, yo, there's some, there's some real fucking, there's some real money here. And one of the songs we had put out on Spotify just for fun had like the same amount of streams as that one song. We just hadn't been paid for it yet. So we were like, wait, we, we might've made $800 and we have no idea. And our jobs are paying us like two grand a month before taxes or whatever. So we're like, like that money's like insane to us. Um, so that's when, when kind of the, my head started spinning. I started doing the math on like how many streams you'd need for this and that, how many streams we're getting. And that's so, so it was never like a day that we were just like, holy crap, we can quit our jobs. We actually like mapped it out. And as, as we were going and as we were counting the streams, it's like, dude, I literally think in two months we can quit our jobs. And like, that was our whole goal was like, yo, how many streams do we need to get that we can both quit our jobs. And we just like <laughs> kept hunting that down. And so it was really cool. And eventually we, we were making more than our, we were making more in music than our jobs. And we were like, yo, let's quit. Let's go full time. Think of how much we can get done if we were just full time doing this. And so it was, it was really cool. And then you upgraded the $7 Amazon headphones and maybe a better mic. <laughs> Honestly, I, I never changed my Amazon headphones. I use those <laughs> to this day, man. I buy, I'm always scared they're going to stop making them. <laughs> or they're going to like, like run out. So I have like six, like pairs of them, it, like in my stuffed in my drawer. I just love mixing on them. I don't know why, but I'm used to it. And I'm scared to change. Um, but, <laughs> That's very but funny. The mic, yeah. The mic, we definitely changed and upgraded and all the equipment. We started <laughs> getting a little bit nicer. Yeah. My, the headphones I'm using literally, literally right now, um, they're, they're from the dollar store. Like they're, oh, they yeah. don't have a brand or anything. I bought them. Like, I don't know. I think I needed headphones for something because my good ones broke. So uh-huh. I got these dollar store ones and then I bought other good ones and then they broke. And oh, then gosh. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to use these headphones because I don't know what it is, man. The expensive headphones always break and the dollar store ones last forever. So yeah. And and I don't care what anyone says. Like if you, if you know how it's, how 
like if you listen to all music on those headphones or you listen to a lot of like other people's music, you know how they sound, you know what's right. And so you can easily mix your own music. Like you don't need crazy equipment unless you're listening to all your music on crazy equipment because that was right. my thing was like those little Panasonic headphones that, that I got from uh, Amazon. It's like they went everywhere with me. They were on planes. They were, you know, if I was going to the library, like I listened to every artist, every song on those headphones. So when it came to mixing or when it came to producing our music, it was like, I'm going to wear these headphones. I know exactly how, you know, where frequencies should, should hit, how the bass should sound. So like it, that's just like always was like, that never changed for me. And everyone was always like, dude, why don't you upgrade your headphones? And it's like, I don't know. I just hear it better in these. So it's funny. It's true. Especially these days with like, so many people are listening to music literally directly out of their phones uh, yeah, or, or, yeah. or like whatever shitty um, Bluetooth speaker where all the sound is coming from one place. You know what I mean? Yep. Like yep. People don't listen. Like I always listen to music in my car and that's the same I thing love, though. Yeah. Like even right now my band is mixing, we're mixing a record and I have to go like they'll send me something and I'm like, I have to go to my car to listen to it. Cause that's the yes. only place that I know for sure what I'm like, where I'm at with, with, uh, with how something sounds, you know, the car test is like the, the car test is the truest test. It's, it's so, yeah. It's, it's the only so one funny. I know, but it, but it yeah. works the same way. I don't listen to a lot of music on headphones really. Um, like compared to, cause I always listen to music in the car, but if, it, if I was, you know, listening to them on the same headphones like you were for years and years and years, I would do the exact same thing. And it, and it makes right. sense because you can never, you can never mix something for everyone. Like someone's going to listen to it and have their system all jacked up. So you have to kind of like figure out, yeah. you know, sort of like it, it can't be perfect. It never, there's no, no such thing as perfect. And just like you said, like one of our biggest tests is always like listening to how it sounds on an iPhone. Cause it's like, yeah. like you said, if anyone's going to show their friend, they're going to show it to them on, on a shitty little iPhone speaker. Unfortunately, they're not going to get them a pair of, you know, beats by Dre and be like, yo, listen to this song. They're going to fucking just play it out of their phone yep. and you got to be Hold ready it for up that. to That's, their one ear. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. You can forget so. about that, that cool panning thing you did. Like that's, never, no one's ever going to hear that. Yo, for real. I know. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, that's funny, man. Um, if you're in tech, you've been there before feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, mutual mobile, a digital technology consultancy uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today.
I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit. And then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash LSS. I'm just looking at my notes here for a second. You guys just yeah. did some shows. Uh, that's cool. You were, you were in Europe. How'd that go? It was awesome. No, I, I mean, since we were 15, we're 26 now, so we've been friends yeah. for 11 years. And since we were 15, we have dreamed of going on tour and we've just been super patient and just built a fan base. And, you know, people kept saying, you know, that we could tour, we could tour, but we didn't feel like the numbers were quite there yet to like, they kept saying we could play shows, but couldn't tour and stuff. And we just kept waiting and waiting until we were like, we want to go on tour when like, we're like totally ready to go on tour. And so we, we held out and finally our agency was like, yo, we're ready to book you guys a tour. Uh, it's going to be in Europe. Um, and we were just so fucking stoked and we went out there and our fans are uh, it, like incredible. They knew all the words to like, I mean, we played a, maybe like a 16 song set and they knew every single song pretty much. Like they knew the words to every single song. They knew the words to the new songs that we just released yeah. three days earlier. They knew every, like almost every word. I was like, dude, these fans are insane. They're incredible. We stayed after every single show, did meet and greets, met every single one, took photos. Um, so yeah, it was just a, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. Um, touring is exhausting, but it's also so much fun at the same time. It's just like, it's like a blur, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's cool. It's cool that you're, you know, at your age um, and putting out so much music and, you know, you're kind of an expert in a way, but you've never had that touring side before. You've never had that experience until now. That's, yeah, that's no. kind of unique. No, it's true. Uh, yeah. I, I feel, we feel very well versed in creating and releasing music, but touring was, yeah, that was brand new for us. And we just wanted to make sure we put on a good show. And as with anything, like after years of touring, I can see how it just becomes, how you could become really good at it and really good at engaging and really good at, you know, even just like the development of the, of the show and where the songs go and all that stuff. But for us, our first tour, we had no idea how it was going to go. And honestly, I couldn't have pictured it going much better than it did. So pretty stoked about that. And now we've got some work to do. Obviously, our budget was super small for this one. And hopefully as we get bigger, you have more of a budget. We can start incorporating more. I don't know, LCD screens or whatever we oh, want wow, to yeah. like, right? Like create like a better show for the fans and stuff like that. So 
Um, I think it's only going to get better, just just like with anything. You keep learning, keep growing, and, and yeah. keep trying, trying new very, things. It's very interesting. You started in Europe um, and, you know, didn't just do shows in California or like, you know, just America or whatever. It's, it's, it's you know, I always, because I'm on the East Coast, I live, you know, I live in Toronto area. So for me, like, you know, the UK or Europe, it's like not that far on a plane really. But for you guys, mm-hmm. it's like add on another five hours. Like that's a long way from home. A lot of yeah. jet lag to contend with to go play for a couple of weeks when it's like you could just play at, I don't know, somewhere like, I don't know, Orange County. Play at Chain Reaction. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, there's like tons of places you could play in your own backyard. What was the choice to go to there, there first? Chain Reaction. That's awesome you say Chain Reaction. That's something, yeah, we grew up like literally – the 15, 16 year old bands that I was in would play chain reaction. So that's really funny. Hell yeah, dude. Um, Place yeah, legendary. it was awesome. A bunch of screamo. It was great. That's right. Uh, but, uh, no, the, the European fan base, I mean, the European fan base for us was more active and engaging on social media than anyone else. So that's why it was kind of a no brainer for us because we just had a good feeling that they would come out in numbers to support us and watch us play. Whereas like the United States, like, the United States is so spread out. It's a little bit harder. Like the main cities are, are dope, but there's a lot to compete with for one. And they're so spread out. So we just, we saw the activity in Germany. We saw the activity in, in um, <laughs> you know, like uh, Paris and all sorts of different London, all these cities. And it was just kind of like, yo, let's like, let's post, you know, European tour date and see how the tickets sell. And almost immediately Germany was just like every single city like sold out. And we were like, okay, there's some real power out there. Yeah. And we've played shows. We've played shows in LA. We played shows. We played shows when we weren't ready. And that was the thing was that we would have some fans there, but a lot of it was friends and family and friends of friends. It wasn't like true. It wasn't like we were selling out venues with true Nefex fans. And so that was a big step up for us was to wait. And we played the Troubadour this last yeah. Um, we, we recently played the Troubadour and we saw that was the first time we ever experienced like a lot of true Nefex fans that were like screaming our words. And we we're like, wait a second. OK, now it's finally starting to build. Now we're starting to get ready to tour. And then going into the European tour, we were like, OK, this is what this is what we you know always hoped for. Not like friends and family, but like legit just like 400 strangers in a room. But they're all your fans. And I mean, that stuff's crazy. And so we're hoping to start touring in the States here in 2020. Um, and hopefully, yeah, people come out in numbers just like they did in Europe and it'll be dope. Well, hopefully Canada too. I know you guys don't roll for the six apparently. (laughs) Uh, I I heard that lyric. Yeah. But, uh, you should definitely try to play Toronto. Yes. Somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, did you, uh, you know, what's funny about Europe too is, is I always talk about on, on the show about the European, uh, honesty, especially the German honesty, where they'll come up to you, and, and we call it the review, where they'll say, your show, this time, pretty good. Last time, much better. Um, <laughs> or or uh, um, last time you play mm, 15 songs, this time only 14. Uh, why is right. this? Uh, did you get any right. any like funny feedback from the Germans on, on this, or were they, were they pretty sweet for you guys seeing you for the first time? Honestly, I'd say they were pretty sweet. They were cool about everything. The only thing they do is just like, you know, we have 115 songs out there or something. They oh, would just yeah. be like, why didn't, why didn't you play this song? Yes. Why didn't you play that song? Why didn't you play that song? And it's like, dude, you know we have 100 songs, right? <laughs> um, but no, they're all cool about it because so, some of them would be some of our top songs. But like, 
some of our top songs are just like too wearing on the voice. And when you're doing five shows in a row, it's like, you can't be like hardcore rapping or anything like that. Too many nights in a row, you'll blow your, blow your lungs out. Um, and so like, we would just like be like, yeah, no, I know, you know, we couldn't do it this time, but, but maybe next time, hopefully next time. So that was probably the only feedback we got is like, yo, why didn't you play my favorite song? And it's like, yeah, well, it's not everyone's favorite song. So, well, that's true, right? Uh, Um, as a singer and you know, you're, very accomplished singer you sound great on all these songs especially for some of them you're only i'm sure you're only tracking a few times because you know you have limited time so you know you can tell that you're you're a talented guy but going into that environment where yeah like you said you know you're doing five shows a week or or more uh how did the voice hold up that's an experience i guess you haven't had to you know worry about is doing long shows in a row jumping around and all that yeah no i mean i've been uh I've been pretty aware of the schedule and what it was going to be in Europe. And so I got with a vocal coach like a year or two ago and started just trying to, to get better at, you know, controlling my voice and stuff. But then when, when the tour came up we really focused on just strength and making sure that I could sing for an hour straight. Um, and so every single day I would vocalize almost an hour straight and vocalizing is just making weird noises with your mouth and stuff like that. Just to right. like strengthen the different parts. It's like lifting weights. Right. So I basically did that with my voice every single day for a while, knowing that when I was on tour, I was going to have to be able to go back to back to back days yeah. um, of intensive work. And so, yeah, it really was just like, it's like anything. It was like strength training, getting ready for a, a competition or event or anything like that. And so I did, I worked on it a lot and then going out there, everything was great. Um, I, I was, my voice was holding up, everything was going well. And then as with anything, I ended up getting sick. I ended up getting a cold while I was out there and that, and I got the cold right before like our five show in a row stunt. So that was the worst part of the whole tour. I think I, my voice was good for the first two days. The third day I had to take it easy. And then I was able to finish strong the last two days, but uh, there was a little bit of weariness there where I was like, I'm like right on the cusp of losing my voice. I got to be careful because it wasn't just an hour of singing. It was then, you know, two, like an hour and a half, two hours of like meet and greet where you're talking right. to every single yeah. fan and you're using a lot of your voice. So it was pretty crazy. It was pretty intense, but um, yeah, made it out. My voice feels good right now. Get with my vocal coach soon and see if I did any damage, but I, I don't think <laughs> I did. Be, you'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been screaming for 20 years and I, I can still talk. So uh, you can still do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's that's good, man. Um, well, I guess I guess the Major League Baseball pitchers, starting pitchers, they don't know how good they got it. Huh? They're complaining about uh, having to throw 100 pitches every five days. Right. Right. They got plenty of recovery time. What are they talking about? Right. That's Come ridiculous. on. Yeah. Come on. I mean, Nolan Ryan used to throw back to back. I mean, yeah. Come on. These new pitchers, they throw gas, but they're they're wusses. Yeah, man, I'm 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 with you on that, man. Bring back <laughs> bring back the the four man rotation at least. I'd even be fine with a three man rotation. Absolutely, why not? <laughs> Use them up while they're young. <laughs> so what's this? Um, three two three four two six six nine three three. People can text you. Is this real? Oh yeah yeah yeah. That's like a, that's a texting app that that we like to use and. Um, you know, whether it's me, Cam or our manager, we're always trying to be on it. We're always trying to check the messages. We're always trying to respond to people if they have questions or they want to know, you know, uh, anything more personal about us or anytime anyone who's part of that, um, anyone who texts that number, like we know is like, they're like, they legit want to be updated with everything we're doing. And so that number always gets 
tour dates. It always gets new merch drops. It always gets new, new private sneak peeks to music videos and stuff like that. Just to see, I mean, we use that number to also see how people like new music that we may or may not drop or, you know, to vote on things because it's a nice, it's a nice test group of some of our, um, most engaged fans that uh, we can find out a lot of information from and with, and we just like talking to them and seeing, you know, how they feel about the new EP, and and it's just cool. It's a cool little, it's a cool little app that so, they created. Yeah. So how does that work? Because obviously, someone sees that and they don't know exactly how it facilitates. Like it doesn't just, it's not your personal number, obviously. Um, no. So how does it work? So it's basically just an app that that you know we have our own logins to, and you can click on the app, and then it's it's basically like Messenger or anything. You just see the messages from different people, and you can respond to them. Uh, you can't call the number, but we just go through it, and if there's any unread, we we check them out. We check out the nice the nice fan mail and whatever, and just try to respond to it as often as we can uh, between the three of us. There you go. Well, yeah, three two three four two six. Six nine three three. Everyone can text that and tell uh, tell your manager how much you, uh, they enjoyed listening to you on Lead Singer Syndrome. Hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Thank 100%. you so much that's for what the, it's for. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with me. Um, anything else to tell the people before I let you go? Um, Taking Back Sunday was on this, right? Yeah, I had, I had, I've had so many members of Taking Back Sunday. I've had Adam, John, and Fred. That's uh that's that's one of my favorite bands of all time. So that's really fucking cool. Yeah. Um yeah, so man. yeah. That's uh that's all I got. Anything else I want to tell the fans? No, you asked a lot of good questions. I mean, that's our story. Um you know, there's going to be a lot more story to tell here pretty soon, I think. I think a lot of things are going to are going to keep going up and up for us and hopefully Absolutely. we keep creating memories and stories and keep meeting new fans and you know, just live a crazy life and keep writing songs that people can relate to and that they enjoy and that, you know, help them through whatever they're going through. So super exciting. And thanks for having me on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you're, you you're so much. You're fun to talk to. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You are yeah. too, man. You're, uh, you're incredible. This, uh, this whole project and everything. Um, I really, once I heard about it, I really wanted to speak to you and get the whole, uh, the whole story. So, so thank you for sharing. I'm going to play a tune for the people. Here is Rumors. Hell yeah. We talked about this one a little bit. So here's rumors on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thanks a lot. Right on. Yeah, she's got some nice long hair and you know that she's a bad chick. All the boys stare, can't help it, it's a habit. Clothes that she wears, short skirt and a jacket. I just want to get her all alone on a mattress. I just want to have it, I just got to have it. Rumors all around say her body is fantastic. All natural, not a piece of fur is plastic. Head to her toes. Yeah, they say that she's a lash Yeah, the whispers all around Say she has a reputation Don't believe it till I see it So I want a demonstration And I've always learned it better With a hands-on education So I need a private session If you get what I am saying And they say that she's not easy No, she's really complicated But that only makes it better And it's got me so fixated And I'm not the type to wait around I've never hesitated But she's got me captivated So the game, I'm gonna play it, yeah Got a body like a coke thing She likes to keep the party going These rumors got me feeling lonely I want that body, baby, show me She's got a body like a coke thing She likes to keep the party going These rumors got me feeling lonely I want that body, baby, show me
when you're undressed I heard you like to get away I heard you like to stay out late I heard you had a couple boyfriends I heard they didn't treat you right I heard you're hated by your girlfriends Cause all the guys want you tonight Yeah They say she's too hot They say she's too cold Where she came from Nobody really knows They say she looks young But says she acts old From everything I've heard She gets out of control And all the boys say She was sent from the heavens But I'm not too sure That this girl is a blessing She's got the devil's eyes And they'll cut you like a weapon She's stuck in my mind Like a bad obsession got she got a body like a ghost She likes to keep the party going These rumors got me feeling lonely I want that body, baby, show me She's got a body like a ghost She likes to keep the party going These rumors got me feeling lonely I want that body, baby, show me From Nefex and Bryce, what a guy. Who knew that me and Bryce would have so much in common? I'm mostly talking about baseball because, oh my God, I love baseball. I already miss it. Like the World Series has only been like a month and a half ago. I already miss baseball and I cannot wait until pitchers and catchers report. I am a nerd. I have a baseball addiction. It's a serious problem because there's a lot of people, especially in the great country of America, that are, like, obsessed with NFL football, right? Like, people don't miss a game. And, you know, they go and they tailgate and everything. Well, that's only once a week. That's only 16 games. In baseball, they play 162, and they're long as hell. And I watch pretty much all 162 Blue Jays games. Ugh, and they're not even good. And I still watch the games because I am... I have a baseball addiction. So anyway, uh, I want to thank Bryce so much for taking the time to speak with me and go check out Nefex. Go check out their music. Hopefully by now they're planning some more shows and you can see them live. A very interesting band, very cool band. And I'm really happy to see something just a little bit out of left field, get this love and have so much success. So congratulations to Bryce and Nefex. Next week, I will be back with another brand new episode, a Christmas edition of the podcast. Yeah, this band's got some Christmas stuff happening. Very, very excited about this one. One of my favorite bands, huge influence of mine. 
stories up the wazoo I have about this band. So make sure on December 25th, sneak away from the family. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe you have to drop a couple OK Boomers in there and just sneak up to your old childhood bedroom, put on the headphones, and relieve yourself for an hour of my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. That might be what you need to do. That's what I'm saying. It's a good one next week. I hope your last minute shopping goes well. Don't get trampled at the mall. No road rage in the parking lot. Let's be nice. Let's be civil. Get those last minute deals. Spend a little extra on your mama, okay? She, yeah, she gave birth to you. She deserves it. And don't make fun of all the vegetarians like myself eating tofurkey. It is delicious. You should try it. Happy holidays, everybody. Love y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Now, I know usually we play a song by the artist or another song by the artist, but since it's Christmas time, I wanted to pay tribute to a legend, to one of the metal greats, Ronnie James Dio. Rest in peace, Ronnie James Dio, with your metal sign, holding those horns high. Love ya. Here is God Rest, Ye Merry Gentlemen by Ronnie James Dio on Lead Singer Syndrome. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll see you next week. Let nothing you dismay Remember Christ the Savior Was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's power When we were gone astray oh, Times of comfort and joy Comfort and joy Yeah.